Before we come to Prime Minister's questions, I would like to point out that the British Sign Language Interpretation of Proceedings is available to watch on Parliament Live TV. We now come to questions to Prime Minister. I start with Pauline Latham. Question number one, sir. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, thank you. Never before has this House listened to an address like the one given yesterday by President Zelensky. And so I want to tell the House that working with our friends and allies across the free world, we will be doing even more in the coming days to protect the people of Ukraine. And Mr Speaker, my right honourable friend, the Defence Secretary will be setting out more details for the House later on. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Thank you, Mr Speaker. My son Ben died from an aortic dissection at age 44, leaving a wife and two young children, a condition which kills 2,000 people every year needlessly, more than die on the roads. Most people do not know anything about this condition until it devastates their family like mine. So many of these cases are preventable by identifying those at risk and early and accurate diagnosis. Would the Prime Minister commend the work of the Aortic Dissection Charitable Trust in working with all aspects of the patient pathway about this condition? And in particular, will he commit to public funding for research into the diagnosis of aortic dissection and into genetic screening for it? Prime Minister. May I say to my honourable friend first uh, how very sorry I am, as I'm sure the whole house is, for the loss of her son, Ben. And she's a passionate advocate for this work, and I thank the Aortic Dissection Charitable Trust. She's uh, obviously, Mr. Speaker, completely right that accurate, fast diagnosis and treatment is crucial, and uh, that's why I'm very pleased that the uh, National Institute for Health Research is looking to do uh, further work in this area, and my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State uh, for Health, uh, will meet her uh, at his earliest convenience. Now comes the Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The typical energy bill is going up by £700 next month, and that's because of pressures before Russia invaded Ukraine. The Chancellor's solution, a forced £200 loan for every household, paid back in mandatory instalments over five years. The big gamble behind that policy was that energy costs would drop quickly after a short spike. That bet now looks certain to fail. When will the Prime Minister force the Chancellor into a U-turn? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr. Speaker, the, uh, my Royal Friend, the Chancellor has set out plans to help families with energy costs, with unprecedented measures to abate, uh, abate council tax by, uh, by £150, Mr. Speaker, in addition uh, to all the other schemes uh, that we are putting forward. And uh, I can tell the House that, uh, yes, he's absolutely right. Uh, that we need to meet uh, the long-term impacts of the spike in, uh, in energy prices, and that's why I will be setting out an energy independence plan uh, for this country, Mr Speaker, in the course uh, of the next few days uh, to ensure that we undo some of the damage of previous decisions taken, uh, not least by the Labour government, to invest in, in nuclear, uh, Mr Speaker, and so, and so that we... So that, we prepare, so that we prepare our people uh, for the long term and with sustainable, cost-efficient energy supply. Mr Speaker, I don't think the Prime Minister understands the mess he's in. 
Working families are facing a £700 spike in April. They won't even receive their £200 loan from the Chancellor until October. The wholesale price of oil and gas is now ballooning. So, by October, when the loan finally comes in, household bills are set to shoot up by another £1,000. It's a total mess. So I ask again, when is the Prime Minister going to force the Chancellor to U-turn? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, if he's asking for the Chancellor to U-turn on the support that we're giving uh, to families and and households, uh, I think that he's he's absolutely out of his mind. We are going to to continue uh, to give people support throughout this difficult period, as we did throughout the coronavirus epidemic, Mr Speaker, uh, with unprecedented levels of of support. We have a £200 discount on bills, £150 a non-repayable reduction in uh, council tax, and £144 million extra to help councils support vulnerable families uh, with their energy bills. Uh, uh, Altogether, Mr Speaker, there is a £20 billion package of financial help that we are giving the British people, and we will continue to do more. I think a U-turn, Mr Speaker, is the last thing we want. Mr Speaker, we'll see how long that position lasts. Uh, let, me try and, let me try and help the Prime Minister. Let me try and help the Prime Minister by coming at it from a different angle. Before Russia invaded Ukraine, North Sea oil and gas companies were making bumper profits. BP made £9.5 billion. Shell made £14 billion. In their own words, more money than they know what to do with. Since then, the international price of oil and gas has skyrocketed, and so will their profits. When will the Prime Minister admit he's got this badly wrong, put a windfall tax on those super profits, and use the money to cut household energy bills? Prime Minister! Mr Speaker, the, the, the net result of that would simply be to see the oil companies uh, put their prices up yet higher, uh, Mr Speaker. And, Mr Speaker, make it more difficult for them to do what we need them to do, and which I think, by the way, Mr Speaker, they are doing very responsibly at the moment, and that is divesting from dependence on Russian oil and gas. And, and that, is the, that is the way forward for this country. It is to take, it is to take a sober responsible approach, uh, end our dependence on, on, on hydrocarbons altogether, and particularly Russian hydrocarbons, and we are taking steps to rectify some of the mistakes made by the Labour government and have a long-term, sustainable, independent energy supply policy. That's what this country needs. Protecting energy profits, not working people. Doesn't that say it all? Britain... Britain can't afford another crisis like this. We need to improve our long-term energy security. That starts starts with supporting new nuclear and renewables. But the Conservatives have effectively banned new onshore wind. As a direct result of this short-sighted approach, we're using more gas every year than we import from Russia. That's ludicrous. So will the Prime Minister relax planning laws, end the block on onshore wind and stop supporting policies that make us so dependent on foreign gas? 
Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, it's thanks to the it's thanks to the policies that this government has pursued uh, that we actually only are dependent on Russian gas for three percent of our gas needs. Unlike unlike virtually every other European country, Mr. Speaker, it's thanks to the massive investment that we've had in renewables, Mr. Speaker, uh, that we are the as I've said many times in this house, the Saudi Arabia of wind power, producer of more offshore wind uh, than virtually any other country in the world, Mr. Speaker. And I'm, I, I think he just, by the way, I think he just committed to supporting, this may be news to some of his party, but he just committed to supporting more nuclear power. That repenteth, Mr. Speaker, uh, than over a hundred. Uh, I'm delighted. And, and that, those were the people, Mr. Speaker, who cancelled our nuclear efforts uh, in, in the time they were in power. They did completely the wrong thing. I'm delighted to welcome them now into the fold. Uh, come off it, Labour is pro-nuclear. This Prime Minister can't get a single brick laid of a new nuclear plant. <laughs> Energy security isn't just about supply, it's also about reducing demand. Our housing stock is the least efficient in Europe. That's why Labour set out a plan to upgrade the 19 million British homes that desperately need it within a decade saving families £400 on their energy bill and cutting UK gas imports by 15%. Whereas all the government have is a failed policy. Taking all their announcements together, it will take 75 years to deliver the upgrades that we need. That's a lifetime when we need urgent action. When is the Prime Minister going to get on with it? Prime Minister, well, Mr. Speaker, I just, I just remind the House that under the, uh, the Labour government, uh, our nuclear output fell from, I think, about 25% uh, to about 10% of, of, our, of, our, of our energy needs. And as, as, as I recall, it was because of the decisions that they took. We are now going to rectify it, Mr. Speaker, and we're helping households. He asked about the cost of energy bills. We're helping households with the cost of energy bills to the tune of 9.1 billion pounds. Now, why can this government afford to do that? Why can we afford to put huge quantities of taxpayers' money into supporting households and their energy costs? I'll tell you why, Mr Speaker. It's because we've got the fastest growth in the G7. Uh, and, 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 and don't forget that if we'd listened to Captain Hindsight, uh, we'd have stayed in lockdown and we'd have never achieved it, Mr Speaker. Twelve years in power, that's the best he can do. The Ukrainian people... Ukrainian people. Mr. Speaker, the Ukrainian people are fighting for democracy. We must stand with them. That means taking the toughest possible measures against Putin. And let's be honest, there will be costs here at home. We can withstand those costs, and we must, by using a windfall tax to keep bills down for working people by starting a new era of energy policy, never again at the mercy of a dictator, supporting new nuclear after years of neglect, sprinting on renewables, including onshore wind, and an urgent national mission to upgrade homes, ending years of dither and delay. So why is the Prime Minister offering the same failed energy policy that cast us into the security crisis and allowed bills to rocket? 
Sorry, Prime Minister. I want to hear the answer, but also standing up is not going to catch my eye. In fact, it's got the opposite effect on me. Prime Minister. <laughs> Mr Speaker, what we are junking is the failed energy policies that left us without enough nuclear power, Mr Speaker. Yeah. Uh, and what we are going to do is go forward with policies that allow this country uh, to be independent in our energy supply, and maximising renewables, Mr Speaker, ma- making sure that we use transitional hydrocarbons and going for nuclear as well. As I say, I am overjoyed that Labour now seems to occupy uh, that position. Uh, but what we will also do, Mr Speaker, uh, and, I'm, and, and here he has been supportive, is make sure that as a House of Commons we work together to maintain our opposition to Vladimir Putin's vile war in, uh, in Ukraine. And there, together with the toughest possible economic sanctions, by maintaining our military support for the people of Ukraine, I have no doubt that though, he's, though there will be dark days ahead, and difficult times, Mr Speaker. We will come through it stronger, and I have no doubt that Vladimir Putin will fail and we will succeed in restoring a sovereign and independent Ukraine. Thank you, thank you, Mr Speaker. For over two decades, Thames Water has been trying to build a reservoir in my constituency that would be over 30 metres high and cover the equivalent of over 2,500 football pitches. This has been a shadow over the local community who don't think they've proven the need for this proposal. Does my right honourable friend agree that if a company seeks to do something like this, it has to show why it's needed, why it's better than the alternatives, and what the environmental impact will be? They can't behave as though it's inevitable whether the local community want it or not. Prime Minister. Well, Mr Speaker, I thank my honourable friend. He's a fantastic champion for his his constituents in in Wantage. As I understand it, the decision on the Abingdon Reservoir has not actually uh, been made, but we would expect Thames Water to consult further on the uh, proposal, and I know that they will have heard the points that my honourable friend has rightly made. We now come to SNP leader Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. We are now 14 days into Putin's war, and in that time... I have generally tried to work constructively with the UK Government and I will continue to seek to do this. However, nobody should support this Government when it comes to the response to the refugee crisis. 760 visa approvals in two weeks is disgraceful. In that time, Poland has taken over 1.2 million refugees. Hungary has taken over 190,000 refugees. Germany has taken over 50,000 refugees, Italy over 7,000 refugees, Ireland, a country of just over 5 million people, has given sanctuary to three times as many refugees as the United Kingdom. These numbers don't lie, they tell a devastating truth. Does the Prime Minister find it acceptable that his Home Secretary has overseen one of the slowest, most bureaucratic and incompetent refugee responses in the whole of Europe. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I think everybody sympathises with the plight of of refugees, and and, uh, this Government wants to do everything we can to to welcome them, and and that is indeed what we are doing, and the numbers are uh, almost a 1,000 as I speak to to him today, and they will rise very sharply, Mr Speaker. Uh, They are uncapped. We expect those numbers to rise uh, uh, in the region of the hundreds of thousands. Uh, as, as uh, As Vladimir Putin doubles down in his attacks, we will go further, Mr Speaker, and there will be 
uh, routes by which the whole country can offer, uh, offer a welcome uh, to people from uh, Ukraine, vulnerable people fleeing uh, from Ukraine. And my right hon. Friend, the Secretary of State uh, for, uh, for levelling up, will be setting out that route in the course of the next few days. This Government has a proud, proud record. We have done more to resettle vulnerable people than any other European country since 2015. I don't think the Prime Minister understands the scale of the challenge or the urgency. These are people fleeing war crimes, torn apart from their families as their homes are shelled, and the Home Secretary is blocking them with endless paperwork. This isn't just incompetence, this is ideology. In the face of the biggest refugee crisis in Europe since the Second World War, the UK Government won't set aside the hostile environment. And by the way, we're seeing the hostile environment this afternoon. They might quieten down a bit. We've seen this too many times from a Tory Home Office. The Windrush scandal, the go-home vans, the inhumane Nationality and Borders Bill. The UK Home Office is raising barriers and bureaucracy when we should be offering care and compassion. Prime Minister, do not let the history of failure repeat itself. Scotland stands ready to offer sanctuary and refuge. So will the Prime Minister join with the rest of the European continent and waive the visa restrictions for refugees fleeing war in Ukraine? Mr Speaker, this country has an unparalleled record. And look, just, just since I have been Prime Minister, look at, what the, look at the numbers we've taken from Afghanistan, uh, from Hong Kong. Mr Speaker, he lectures the Home Secretary. This is a government unlike any other. The Prime Minister, the Deputy Prime Minister, the Home Secretary are directly descended, Mr Speaker, from refugees. And we, understand, we understand how much refugees have to give to this country, and we understand how much this country has to gain from welcoming refugees. And we will be generous, and we are being generous, Mr. Speaker. And what we are doing is making sure that in those in those neighbouring countries, the UK is out in front, giving the humanitarian assistance. And we are in every capital, Mr. Speaker. They laugh, Mr. Speaker. They mock. They scoff. This country is leading in every respect, but we are also the single biggest donor of humanitarian aid uh, to, the, to, to the Ukraine war zone, Mr Speaker. The single biggest donor, and he should be proud of that. Julian Smith. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I commend uh, the Prime Minister's uh, response to this Ukrainian crisis, but I think people across the country are genuinely concerned on our response on refugees, on the bureaucracy, on the tone of our response. He's shown with vaccines uh, that government change really comes from the very top. Uh, please, can I urge him to look at again on resetting our policy uh, and taking control of a more humane approach to those uh, women and men fleeing from Ukraine? Oh, thank, you. Oh, thank you very much. He will have. Uh, I hope. Uh, I thank him very much. I thank him for all the, the work that he does in this area. But he, I, I hope he will have heard uh, what I've, uh, I've just said in my, uh, my earlier answer to the leader of the SNP, which is, Mr. Speaker, that uh, this government is, I think, unlike any other in our understanding of what uh, refugees can give and the benefits to this country. And we want. Uh, we've done more than any other to resettle vulnerable people since, since 2015. I think that there is a huge opportunity now uh, for us to do even more, and that's why my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Leveling Up, will be setting out a route by which the British people 
uh, not just the family reunion route, which can run into the hundreds of thousands, Mr. Speaker, but also a route by which uh, everybody in this country can offer a home to people fleeing Ukraine. And uh, the, uh, the, my honourable friend will be setting that out in the course of the next few days. Sir Geoffrey Donaldson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Prime Minister will be acutely aware of the pressures facing households across the United Kingdom, including in Northern Ireland, with the rapid increase in the cost of heating homes and running uh, a motor vehicle. Uh, heating uh, a home has increased, has more than doubled for many households in Northern Ireland in recent weeks. Will the Prime Minister commit to bring forward a a package of measures designed to help households, including a cut in VAT on home heating fuel, uh, reducing or cutting excise duty on fuel for motorists? And will he ensure that those measures apply to Northern Ireland, where the Northern Ireland Protocol once again presents a problem in this government taking control over the affairs of all of the United Kingdom? Will the decisions that the Treasury take apply to the whole of the United Kingdom? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, we will make sure that we do everything uh, to support the people of the whole of the United Kingdom, including uh, Northern Ireland, and we have already uh, extended a further £250 million to help the people of Northern Ireland uh, with the costs of uh, living, particularly uh, heating. As he knows, excise is, uh, on fuel is, uh, has been frozen for the, last, uh, for the last 12 years, and we will ensure that the people of Northern Ireland continue to be protected along with everybody in the UK, uh, from uh, the cost of, of living crisis. But the House should be in, in, in no doubt that the pressures on, uh, on energy will uh, continue. Uh, we need a pan-UK uh, solution, and that's what we're going to be setting out. John Stevenson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Prime Minister, the world has changed. Energy security is vital, but so too is food security. Our food and drink manufacturers and those in the food chain proved their worth during the pandemic. Given the importance to our country of this sector and the need to ensure its competitiveness, its resilience and a high degree of self-sufficiency, will the Prime Minister now take the opportunity to review many of the proposed regulatory burdens, such as HFSS and the promotional and marketing restrictions, which could adversely affect this important sector at this critical time? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, he is absolutely right that uh, food security is a, a crucial issue and it is affected, of course, by the cost of energy. Uh, and the, the energy inputs into agriculture uh, are, are certainly something that we need to, uh, to address. There is also uh, a, a separate issue, Mr Speaker, to do with childhood uh, obesity. The House uh, passed uh, measures uh, already uh, in the autumn, uh, the ones to which he uh, refers, were giving uh, the industry more time to adjust uh, to the, uh, the impact of those measures. Graham Morris. Uh, thank yeah. you, Mr Speaker. Uh, Prime Minister, in addition to the increase uh, in fuel prices, our constituents are reporting to us that the energy companies are doubling standing charges. Yeah. In France, energy supply company EDF has had energy price rises to domestic customers capped at 4%. But this government price cap allows EDF to increase prices to UK customers by 54%. My question is why? Mr Speaker, we have an, we have an overall cap and obviously the, the, uh, the, the EDF is incorporated differently uh, in the UK from its incorporation in France. But we will do everything uh, in our power to abate the costs of energy across the country as we already are. 
uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, but what it needs is a, uh, a short-term, medium-term, and long-term energy strategy so that we have sustainable uh, supplies. Richard Holden. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Speaker. Soon after I was elected, I found out that Shotley Bridge, an eight-bedroom community, an eight-bed um, uh, community hospital in my constituency, is replaced with a zero-bed unit. Something Labour councillors, some Labour councillors, had known about but said nothing about during the election campaign. Oh. After campaigning hard with ministers and the Secretary of State, and working with my local NHS trust, a new 16-bed unit is now in the final stages of planning and has been confirmed this government's hospital building programme. Can the Prime Minister confirm that this new community hospital is now full steam ahead and will he commit to coming to concert to kick off the building works if the plan goes to head uh, by the end of next year? Yes, Mr. Speaker, and I'm delighted there'll be a new hospital at Shotley Bridge. I congratulate him on all the work he's done to, to lobby for it. And, Mr. Speaker, what it proves that this government is getting on in spite of the pandemic, in spite of war in, uh, in Ukraine, this government is getting on with the job. It's a doubt. Thank you, Mr. Deputy Speaker. I've just been to a very harrowing meeting with families affected. Uh, they have members of families in care homes and hospitals, and they've suffered unjustifiable denial of access to those loved ones and have been massively restricted. And it continues despite the post-COVID environment. Would the Prime Minister be prepared to introduce legislation to make access to loved ones in care homes and hospitals a legal right? and not at the discretion of the care home or the hospital concern. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I, I thank him very much, and I think everybody understands the, uh, the, the anguish of people who haven't been able to see their loved ones uh, during the pandemic. We have uh, relaxed the restrictions in care homes, as, uh, as he knows. Uh, if, if, I'd be very happy to offer a meeting for him and the relevant uh, health minister to discuss uh, his further concerns. John Penrose. Uh, Mr Speaker, the government's already stopped issuing golden visas, so they can't be exploited by oligarchs and crime lords. But some could already be here, living in luxury London penthouse flats they've bought with dirty cash. So, will the Prime Minister pledge that anybody, will he pledge that anybody who is put on the sanctions list in the coming days and is already in the UK on a golden visa will have it ripped up so they can be thrown out? Prime Minister. Uh, Yes, sir, Mr. Speaker, I can tell him that, and, and I, I, I thank the House for what we've done to uh, accelerate the, uh, the economic crime measures because we will be able to whip aside the veil of anonymity, uh, Mr. Speaker. The ownership of these uh, luxurious dwellings to which he refers uh, will be exposed, and yes, uh, we will be able to uh, take away their ability to remain in this country. Barbara Keeley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. As energy costs spiral, I want to raise the issue for people who use extra electricity to charge their electric wheelchairs or to run ventilators or a stairlift. It is not right that people with a disability or a serious medical condition should face unmanageable debt or go without food to pay the cost of electricity on which they absolutely rely. They need a real cut to their bills right now. So why isn't the Prime Minister looking at drawing on the profits of the North Sea Oil and Gas Companies to help the most vulnerable families with those costs? Yeah. 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 
I thank her very much. She raises a, a very important issue, and uh, clearly the, the spike in energy prices is going to fall uh, most heavily on uh, vulnerable people, such as the ones that uh, she has mentioned, and we will uh, certainly be look, looking at ways uh, to abate their costs. Paul Holmes. I don't know what I've done to deserve that. Um, <laughs> residents, in the, residents in the village of Hamble, in my constituency, are currently facing the prospect of a quarry being given planning permission, with 144 lorries per day in this congested area with one road access. Will my right honourable friend agree to meet with me to discuss how we can tighten the regulations on where quarries can be built to take into account the health implication, our environment and our local communities? Prime Minister. Uh, I thank my honourable friend, and he's a great champion for for Eastleigh. Uh, the uh, planning framework is is robust and uh, should ensure that quarries don't have an adverse impact on the uh, on the environment or on health. But uh, I'll make sure that he gets a meeting with the relevant minister to discuss his concerns further. Mr Speaker, we have seen in recent weeks how serious and dangerous Russia's covert influence in Britain can be. We have seen that Putin actively seeks to influence the culture, media and politics of democratic nations. Our national security is of the greatest importance and Britain cannot become home to those that prop up Putin and his war. With that in mind, has the Prime Minister ever overruled security service advice when appointing a peer to the other place? Prime Minister. Uh, No, Mr Speaker. And uh, actually, the Kremlin has singled out the UK for being in the lead uh, on the global sanctions and in... uh, uh, as they have... and, 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 Mr Speaker, in leading the world in defiance of the odious war that Putin is leading in Ukraine. Greg Clark. Yesterday, President Zelensky drew on the words of Churchill in this chamber. And as we salute the courage of the people of Ukraine, it reminds us that we can meet in freedom today only because of the courage of a generation of men and women who, in the Second World War, defended us from annihilation. Among them is my friend Flight Lieutenant Colin Bell, DFC, who flew his de Havilland uh, Mosquito in 50 missions over Nazi Germany. Colin Bell is with us today. On Saturday, he celebrated his 101st birthday. Will the Prime Minister join me in wishing Colin a very happy birthday and thanking him for what he did for allowing us to be here today? Mr Speaker, I think the whole House will want to uh, join me in uh, thanking him and thanking and wishing uh, Colin Bell a very happy 101st birthday. Brendan O'Hara. Thank you, Mr Speaker. People across these islands have displayed remarkable generosity, including in Argyllan Butte, where Oban helps Ukraine have been overwhelmed by donations of money, of clothes and of offers of shelter. Sadly, this government's reluctance to allow fleeing women and children to come here lags far behind the desire of the people here to provide them with a roof and a bed. Doesn't the Prime Minister fear that when this war is concluded, and despite whatever else it may have done, that his government will stand accused of lacking the one thing the Ukrainian people needed most? Basic humanity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Prime Minister. 
Mr. Speaker, I really don't think that that uh, question reflects the uh, the views of people around the world, and nor does it, Mr. Speaker, does it, does it reflect. Nor does it reflect reality, because this government has done more than any other European country uh, to support people in uh, by way of direct bilateral humanitarian aid, Mr. Speaker, uh, and we have uh, we have two very generous schemes for allowing people to come to this country. This is a government that believes in welcoming people uh, fleeing from uh, zones of conflict. And, Mr Speaker, if he shakes his head, look at our record. Look at, what we've done just, look at what we've done just in the last two years. And he should be proud. He should be proud of what we've done. Thank you, Mr Speaker. We were pleased to welcome both the Prime Minister and the Secretary of State to Blackpool the day after the launch of the Doubling Up White Paper. Will he meet with me to discuss how we can make sure that Blackpool is not just a testbed for innovation in many of the areas of Doubling Up, but a showcase for the impact it can have on the community that I represent? I I thank him for his wonderful work in uh, in Blackpool, for communities he he represents, and I was, it was fantastic to be, uh, to be with him and to see the, the increase, the, uh, the extension and the upgrading of the tram network uh, in Blackpool, Mr Speaker, that will help to drive the economy and help to bring high-wage, high-skilled jobs uh, in just the way that we hope to do that across the whole of the UK as we get on with levelling up. Ed David. In the months before World War II, the UK took in over 60,000 Jewish refugees fleeing Nazi persecution. Over half a century ago, we took in over 27,000 Ugandans expelled by Idi Amin. Since then, we've taken Tamils escaping civil war, Bosnians escaping genocide, and Syrians escaping Assad. But this week, the Home Office turned away hundreds of Ukrainian refugees escaping Putin's bombs because they didn't have the right paperwork. Can the Prime Minister not see that this flies in the face of our country's proud tradition of providing sanctuary. And since the Home Office clearly isn't up to the task, will the Prime Minister send in armed forces personnel to speed up the process so Ukrainian refugees can come here quickly and safely? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I, I thank him very much, and uh, the whole House wants to do as much as uh, we can and as fast as possible. But what he says about, about the UK is, I'm afraid, uh, completely wrong, um, Mr Speaker, because uh, we have visa centres open in Warsaw, in Budapest, in Prague, in Yeshchow, in, in Poland, in, in Chisinau, in, in Moldova, uh, Bucharest, and, and elsewhere, Mr Speaker. Uh, we've already uh, got more than we've already got uh, a thousand people in under the uh, existing scheme. That will, number will climb uh, very sharply, Mr. Speaker. Look at what we've done already: uh, uh, 15,000 15, from Afghanistan, 104,000 applications uh, from uh, from Hong Kong uh, Chinese, and, and I think there were about 25,000 uh, from Syria. No one has been turned away, Mr. Speaker. That is that is simply we want we want to be as generous and Mr. Speaker. It is important to have checks. Let me make this point to the House, because I do think it's. I think people need to understand. There are some people. There are some people, Mr. Speaker, who would uh, like to dispense with checks altogether and simply to wave people through. And I've got to say, uh, and, and I hear these, and I hear the voices on the benches opposite. 
I, think that is, I do think that that is irresponsible, and, and that is not the approach that we should be taking. The Schengen countries have a different arrangement. We must be in no doubt, uh, as I said in answer to a previous question, uh, the Kremlin has singled out this country for the approach that we are taking. Vladimir Putin, and we know how unscrupulous uh, Putin can be in his methods. It would not be right, Mr Speaker, to expose this country to unnecessary security risk, and we will not do it, Mr Speaker. We are going to be as generous as we can possibly be, but we must have checks. Mr Speaker, my community in Tipton came together on Sunday to commemorate the 100 years since the devastating explosion of the Dudley Port munitions factory and the 19 girls who were recklessly murdered by the owner of that factory. Now, in the black country, it's vital that we acknowledge both the pride but also the pain of our industrial heritage. And can I ask my right honourable friend, therefore, to ensure that to reaffirm his commitment today to the black country to ensure that we honour that legacy of those girls in that factory in Dudley Port 100 years ago. And the one way that my right friend can do that for my community in Tipton is to come to Tipton, Mr Speaker, and see that beating heart of the black country who will welcome in with open arms. Well, um, Mr Speaker, long, long ago, uh, when I was a reporter, Tipton was on my beat uh, many years ago. and I, Wild horses wouldn't keep me away from Tipton. I'll be back. Ronnie Cowan's final question. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Prime Minister, I have a constituent whose elderly parents are seeking refuge in the United Kingdom from Ukraine. Her parents are both in their 80s. They've made it to Hungary. They went to the visa application centre, as instructed by the Home Office hotline, and they were told, come back on the 22nd of March. Then, and only then, Will their biometrics be processed? That is a harsh reality. No spin, no subterfuge. Prime Minister, when will refugees, when will refugees from the Ukraine be welcome into the United Kingdom? Prime Minister. Listen, I, I, I thank him. If, if you'd be kind enough, I'd be uh, grateful if you'd pass me the details of the case uh, that he mentions, and, I, and I'd be happy to, uh, to, to give it to my, uh, to my right honourable friend. We are, we are moving heaven and earth, Mr. Speaker, uh, because we, we, understand, we understand the value uh, to this country uh, of refugees. We also understand the imperative of helping people fleeing a war zone in terror. And that's why the people of this country want to open their arms. And we are going to help them uh, to do it, Mr. Speaker, with a new humanitarian route in addition to the family reunion route uh, that we have already set up. That, that family reunion route alone, Mr. Speaker, uh, could bring hundreds of thousands of people here. And I think the whole House understands that. We will do even more through the new humanitarian route. That's the end of Prime Minister's questions. Please leave quietly.